0: The flower that blooms in adversity is the rarest and most beautiful of all. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. Thanks for joining us as we kick things off on your weekend on Saturdays. And you know, this quote that we picked for today's episode um, is something that I really enjoyed reading over and over again, not the, the book itself, but the quote, because it speaks to me as a person with a disability, something um, tugs inside my my belly, really, just when I hear something like this, and I think, man, the... The stuff that we face as people with disabilities, the years that we go through feeling lost or alone or isolated or just down uh, in some area of life because we weren't accepted, we weren't normal, we weren't uh, part of the crowd, whatever it may be, and that you went through or that I went through, Um, this kind of quote really speaks to that and brings out the resilience within us when we think, you know, those were the days in some type of reminiscence. And it's by Shiamen Kwa from Mulan. So any of our fans of Mulan um, can resonate to this quote in another way. And I really loved it. I'm your host of the show, Ramya Amuddin, here with Nisreen Abdel-Majid. Let's take a look at the SELA homepage. This is from the C- Center for Equitable Library Access And our friends from there will be joining us at the start of September as we kick off the month with them, Karen and Teresa. But in the meantime, you can go to celalibrary.ca for these featured titles right on the homepage. They feature some titles that you can check out. The first one up there is You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akwiki Amizi. This is a contemporary romance novel. The second one on the featured homepage uh, titles are is River of the Gods by Candace Millard. And this is for adventurers and explorers. And the third one up there is All the Things We Don't Talk About by Amy Feltman. And I actually want to spend a couple seconds talking about All the Things We Don't Talk About uh, because... We discussed this last week with our friend Melanie Marsden, who joined us on the show, really um, expressed her own views on why she would push play on this title, but also took us into whole other conversations about her own identity finding and um, just the kind of learnings that she had to go through because she took for granted her um In her own words, her identity as an Indigenous person and had to really go through active learning and active listening and finding out, seeking out how to come to terms with herself as a person uh, with Indigenous background and what kind of impact that makes on her. And it's quite an interesting theme, right? If you aren't exactly sure Um, And you feel a little lost, as I kind of talked about at the beginning of this episode. And then as you come to terms with your identity, and maybe that part of you is disability, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your race. It's your gender identity. Um, Whatever it is and whatever intersections that might look like for you, it is a wonderful journey. Very difficult. uh, Probably a lot of hardship comes with it. But it's a wonderful journey to take. When you go through it on your own, you go through that discovery and make it and take it upon yourself to do that. Um, I mean, it was a fascinating conversation with Melanie Marsden and we really appreciate and thank her for coming on the show. Um, And not only to talk about books, but to talk about that part of her life with us. So check that out. That's from last week. As we get to the end of August, we like to check in with our friend Amer Khan. He is the audiobook worm who joins us at the end of the month to kind of tell us a progress and or abandonment of books that he's picked up over the last month. And uh, well, there's always a a theme and today's theme is true crime. But Amer before we get into any of the true crime stuff, I need to ask you how you started off August um, because last month we talked about it and you kind of threw away a few books. Yeah,
1: I did. And I wish I could say I picked up a brand new author and was totally hooked to start the <laughs> month off, but it just didn't work out that way. Um There's an author I've been hearing a lot about, uh, so went back and took a look at one of her more famous works from a a while ago called Station Eleven. Uh, The author is Emily St. John Mandel, Mm -hmm. uh, and she has quite the following, and I've heard so much about this book, I decided to take a look, um, and the synopsis right away, I (laughs) I knew it was going to be a tough read for me. Um, But it started off in the city of Toronto, which uh, is pretty rare for for books of all kinds. Um, So I thought I'd give it a shot and see where it went. But I can see why a lot of people enjoyed reading this book, but it's just not for me. Um, The content is very much post-apocalyptic. The book sort of starts with the worldwide pandemic, which wipes out most of the world's population.
0: Mm.
1: You have this sort of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you don't want to read about the pandemic, this is not (laughs) a book for you. Um, It's sort of worst case scenario and how people sort of band together and and it follows various people's lives throughout the uh, sort of mess that comes afterwards and and how people are trying to rediscover technology as well as, you know, just survive and all the sort of in-between bits that, that happen between, you know, sort of the end of the world and, how you emerge again from from something like that, and you have this mishmash of, you know, the the classic sort of post apocalyptic uh, scenes of people who knew things before the pandemic and people who, you know, were born and and have never seen anything. Uh, of the old world, so to speak, and and sort of everything in between. So I can see why people enjoy this this type of genre. It's just it's not for me. Uh, there's some great descriptions of human narrate uh, of human nature, and of uh, of writing. Um, there's certain points in the book where I thought they would be fantastic ending points for the book, but it yeah it, it dragged on a bit too long for my liking, and mm. at a much slower pace than I'm that I'm used to.
0: It's interesting because I think that it can be one, it can pull you in one direction or the other, right? Like if you're totally into it, then, or if you're thinking, you know, yeah, this is exactly what we're going through right now. I can't even think of the name uh, or the titles of the movies and TV shows that people were just absolutely into throughout the pandemic because they're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happening to us right now. Uh, And then the rest of us were like, no, no. I can't read about something or watch something that has to do with everything that we're going on or that's going on right now. So um Yeah.
1: And I think people really enjoy the predictability of some of these books too, not in terms yeah. of the, of seeing what the author would predict for the future and seeing if it aligns with, with their own sort of um views. I mean, I, I don't think any of us would have predicted toilet paper would be the first thing that people would be running after uh when the pandemic first started, but mm. that's sort of uh what happened and um yeah.
0: Yeah, that's quite interesting. So then, okay, what did happen? Um, Or before that, was there anything else you got into? uh, Mm, No, I just,
1: after I finished up this book, I went back to my comfort zone uh, with the uh, (laughs) J.D. Robb books, which I really enjoy. Um, The Eve Dallas series or the In Death series by Nora Roberts. Uh, So I read three of those. So I could get station eleven out of my head and uh <laughs> really enjoyed them. And <laughs> I think um it's it's my go-to now. Whenever I come across a book that's difficult for me to get through, I just I just naturally gravitate towards uh towards those yeah. books.
0: Excellent. Okay, well sounds like a plan. And then after that, going back to your comfort zone, uh, you picked up something else after that too.
1: I did. Um I I've been reading a lot of autobiographies lately, and I swore I, you know. Move away from it, Um, but an NPR article uh, on a book review caught my eye, and I realized that I actually have never read this genre before. Um, The book is a true crime book. Um, Have you, Nasreen or Ryan, have you ever picked up a true crime book before?
2: It's not my genre. It's really not. I would not sleep for these. Okay, I like the true crime shows and stuff like that. But when you're reading it, I feel like you're you're feeling it a lot, you know? Mm. Do do you get what I mean?
0: It's- yeah, because as a genre, you can appreciate it. But when you narrow it down and say, have you read books? I have to say no. Uh, podcasts, TV shows, documentaries. That's a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but books? No. Not only that, but when you're watching a show or a movie for
2: true crimes, like, for example, I mean, Criminal Minds is not a true crime show, but, Mm -mm. you know, it's very uh, crime-like. Yeah, close enough. But I used to watch with my family, and that just kind of made me feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, it did freak me out here and there, but I cannot watch (laughs) these things alone. It freaks me out. So, but when you're reading a book, you're just, you, like, it's It's yourself and and the book. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a fear factor um, <laughs> to reading these these types of books, and in terms of how they are written and, and how they are they are done. Um, the book I picked up I thought was interesting because um, it's by a, a, a investigator of forensic. He calls himself a criminalist, but basically like a CSI type character. Um, his name is Paul Holes, and the book's title is called "Unmasked: My Life Solving." America's Cold Cases. The sort of unique part of this book, for it's actually authored and narrated by the author. Um, so Paul Holes himself uh, narrates this book. And if you're a real fan of, of you know, uh, Netflix, you know, Mind Hunters or, or these types of docu-series about true crime, I think you're going to enjoy reading reading this book. Uh, again, this is not a book that you're reading to feel happy and, and, and elated, but Paul Holz does a great job of sort of walking you through what the real life is like of an investigative process, especially as it pertains to something like a cold case. His most famous part in, in, in his career is actually catching somebody called the Golden State Killer or J, a GSK. And for those that don't know, this was you know somebody who used to wake people up in the middle of the night and murder them and um, then from the 1970s all the way up to the 1990s, the amount of crimes just for one person is is truly staggering in this case. And uh, even when he first became a criminalist, uh, you know, the case had gone cold. So from the beginning of his career, he dedicated his time for the next 24 years on and off to see if he could lend anything to the case, uh, given the skills that he had. And the, again, the book does a great job of sort of walking you through what the toll is on not only the community that this, you know, uh, perpetrator affected, but all the different people and, and things that, that get affected, including uh, he himself and his family. So uh, it, it's a real interesting look. Again, there's parts of it which are sort of gory. And, and of course, these, mm. these crimes are quite gruesome. But it, it's interesting that he makes it very, very readable. Um, it actually has a pretty high rating on, on a place like Goodreads. Um, because he has a very understanding way of walking the uh, reader through um, such difficult topics without delving into, you know, super details and, you know, focusing on those types of things.
0: It's interesting how you say um, it's not all the gore, right? Because when I think of true crime, I almost think of it in the same way, either as like a detective story, as, as Nisreen was talking about um, criminal minds or you think like it's gonna be gruesome it's gonna be serial killer drama like i think of the things that i think of uh, for podcasts right that type of thing but you're right i don't think it has to be and especially if that was a turn off for you in the first place like i don't want to pick up the genre because i'm nervous about the content in it um it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Nizreen, this is encouraging for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't even think of it that way until you guys mentioned it because I was always comparing true crime to, you know, thrillers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, these are true, true crimes, it kind of um, messes up with my head that these things are happening around the world. And especially, I've, I've, Watched documentaries in the past, like years ago, about um, cold cases in America, and that's what freaked me out sometimes. I'm like, oh my god, this is the justice system that we're in, yeah. But but I think I'm just trying to think about how audiobooks, you know, true crime audiobooks would be better than actually reading it yourself. Because if you're listening to an audiobook, you don't have to be alone you know yeah I yeah. Feel like follows, you. Yeah, yeah exactly it it you, you, it, you get, don't feel
1: alone you really get that impression with this book too that you know paul hose is sort of holding your hand and, <laughs> and taking you through it um which is no. a comforting feeling rather than yeah. having you know being talked down mm-hmm. to or somebody trying to scare the pants off of you or something um yeah i mean it's interesting to see the different dimensions which typically aren't shown on on these types of shows he actually references some of the uh some of the TV shows, and he himself actually was part of a sort of uh, a TV series, um, I guess a reality TV series where he tries to help people out um, in terms of cold cases. But, you know, just the, you know, the scarier parts are, are regards to, you know, how personalized this, this type of uh, profession is uh, in terms of, you know, one person that does crimin- criminology or, or, or the CSI type work may not be the same as, as somewhere else. Um, And how law enforcement is sometimes not on the same page in terms of trying to solve the crime, um, because one might be worried that the other, you know, might leak something to somebody or something like that, or one might want the glory of catching the person. So um, to say nothing of the fact that especially with cold cases, where the evidence is in terms of what kind of storage it was put in, where it was, if the storage facility moved, all these sort of X factors, which you typically don't, you know, see behind the scenes, uh, he describes rather well.
0: So I am curious about the um, details, though, because you know what stuff that's fiction that you Mm -hmm. can leave out stuff that may be boring or not as engaging or just, you know, the detail on the side. You can throw that stuff and keep people engaged. Um, But with true crime, do you find that there is a lot of detail that may feel long or unnecessary or tedious?
1: I think he does a good job of trying to give us enough that we can understand it without getting into too much detail. Um, His specialty was with regards to genetic typing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a little bit in the book about how he managed to do that. And uh, of course, with GSK, um, one of the things that, that he was able to do was to actually connect crimes in different areas and find out that it was the same person through new genetic sort of tests um, and eventually how he catches him is, is related to, uh, you know, genetic matching and even using things like ancestry.com and these types of databases. So it, it, it's really interesting in that regard. I mean, you get a sense for what type of person he is. Um, and you know, the, the details are are minimal in terms of the boring variety. So this is this is not a difficult book to read in terms of keeping your interest
0: right right okay this is really interesting now did you keep uh going with the true crime throughout august
1: i got really curious after reading this book um i knew i didn't want to read about another another set of murders
0: um
1: so I, i i took a quick look and i found this article about 20 you know one of these generic articles about the 26 best true crime um books of all time and i started reading down the list and started to realize a couple of things but uh, i wanted to ask you guys is there any like actual crime that that you guys would have that you would pick up pick up a book for to find out more
0: not necessarily crime but people right like when you're talking Mm -hmm. bonnie and clyde or like people throughout history that have just showed up in all kinds of ways i don't know or like the serial killer yeah Death you of know why? Monroe, just so much conspiracy. I <laughs> want
2: to know, uh, I've always been interested in reading about, like, serial killers in
0: general, of how yeah. they think. But the, you know? yeah. the hard part is, Amir, um, with this question, the difficult part is, again, going to, like, our first answer is, everything is televised, everything's on podcast now, you can find out so much without actually having to pick up a book. Like, yeah, you can just watch a YouTube video on all this stuff, right, if you're just interested in the moment. Um, so, you have to be almost like unaware of what's out there and just go for it because if I want to learn about Marilyn Monroe, I'm just going to go Google on Netflix. It.
1: Yeah, you're to Netflix. Yeah, yeah. No, and and I'm in the same boat as, as as both of you in terms of true crime books. This was the first one I actually read. Yeah. Because uh, I went back and thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I did watch you know uh, Kevin Costner's uh, you know movie about Bonnie and Clyde, and you know the Mindhunter series on Netflix, and some of these other things. Oh, that things, was so good. I I never really, (laughs) um, you know, thought about picking up a true crime book. Um, But the list was interesting because it it, it actually had 26 books on it and they were all very different. I expected basically books about serial murders and, you know, these types of things, Um, but they were actually quite varied. One of them that caught my eye was a title called Party Monsters, uh, which was actually made into a movie with Michael McConaughey, I believe. about kids in the 80s who used to party a lot and and some murders that occurred there in in New York City. Um, But the one that I I wanted to read, because, again, I wanted to step away from from the murder scene, uh, is called American Fire, um, Love, Arson, and a Life in a Vanishing Land. Um, So no murders here. It's obviously about arson and fire. Um, This is actually about the uh, incidents in 2012 and 2013, which I was completely unaware of. Um, but apparently in Virginia in 2012 and 2013, over a period of almost three months, there were over 50-something fires that were set, basically a fire almost every day in this rural community in in, uh, in Virginia. So for almost three months, the residents there, they started experiencing paranoia. Obviously, you had a huge law enforcement contingent in trying to track these people down. Um, the, the different part about this book is it's not so much about Finding out who did it, but it's also about the background of, of why they they did it, mm. and the background of the people in Virginia. So, the um, the author of the book is actually a journalist as well, which I think really lends itself to the the storytelling and the way she, she really engages the the reader. Um, the book uh, is written by Monica Hess H E S S E, and it was it was really fascinating for me for me to read about sort of small town America and she goes through some of the history in terms of the boom bust and echo of of the place in terms of you know it was very rich when people wanted their potatoes and then not so much after uh, you know uh, things were a bit more modernized what kind of lives sort of people led um, and, and how sort of people reacted to to all these fires so The the fires were set in abandoned buildings as well. So this is where law enforcement was also scratching their heads in terms of it couldn't understand the motivation behind um, why these fires were being set to abandoned buildings and and not to to other places. Right. Uh,
0: So you're tapping into something that um, would draw us in in any kind of genre, right? Like getting to know the background, the history of the character development. um, But we're talking about things that have actually happened in history, which, you know, we've talked to many people on the show who are just who love reading nonfiction, who love reading um, historical nonfiction. And so you're putting in these elements and calling it true crime means you have uh, that aspect that already draws you in um, along with this, thrill um or or this you know this scare uh, of some of the things like the the actual situations themselves were crimes so I, I think it's interesting because when i first started to to hear you talk about true crime and why you would pick it up or why none of us uh, up until this moment have picked it up um i was like yeah why is that you know, it's, what's the the put off? Like, why wouldn't you pick it up over another genre to begin with? And I guess that article that you read about the, the, the top, who knows if they're actually the top, but the the top two true crime out there um, is probably a good place to start for a lot of people just to even understand that it's not all just serial killers and murders. It can be anything and everything and actually can be quite interesting aside from the crime itself to just know the the reasons and background behind it all,
1: exactly. And I think the best authors keep the centralized focus of the book, but do dive into other topics to keep mm-hmm. things interesting. Without again, like I said with the previous book, diving into so much detail that you're just like, okay, I, am, I don't want to continue. Um, so it, it it holds true in this book too. Uh, Monica Hess really looks at you know the psychology of, of of arsonists and and what the current modern thinking is as to why people set fires. Uh, She goes into the lives of the firefighting folks themselves. In in that particular area of Virginia, the firefighters are all volunteers. Um, So, you know, how that happens and and how the community sort of pulls together for that. Uh, It's also very rural America. So she goes over things like, you know, in in the city, we're very used to having hydrants everywhere. And, you know, the fire truck pulls up and, and, you know, connects to the hydrant. But this place is so rural that they don't have fire hydrants either. So they actually have to bring water tankers and, you know, go to the local stream and and all this kind of thing. And um, it's interesting to see how how that place in general uh, dealt with such such a crime that was unthinkable to to most people where, you know, they don't really have crime um, of this size or or scale and even how people dealt with the media coming to town. Yeah. Um, And then the trials afterwards, too. Um, which, which was actually even, uh, I, I thought the book was winding down. But yeah, the trials had some some surprises too, which um, yeah are quite unbelievable.
0: Exactly, and and so much of the fiction that we read that bring us the same kind of thrill uh, is is already what has happened in, in a lot of these real situations. Amir, um, interesting topic. A uh, great way to end off the month. Thank you so much for delving in, and we'll chat with you in September.
1: Sounds great. See you then.
0: Amir Khan joining us with True Crime today on AMI Audiobook Review. That's the end of this episode. I'm Ramiya Amadin And until next week, happy audiobook listening.